This podcast features discussions about finances and money, which are general in nature. For personal advice specific to your circumstances, see a licensed financial planner or relevant qualified professional. Hi, folks. Welcome along to another episode of Looking Under the Hood, where we are unpacking the money stuff. Today, we're talking about divorce. Now, I guess probably not divorce in the same sense that we've already spoken on this podcast, but more around the DIY divorce. Today, I'm joined by Siobhan Mullins from Separate Together, which is a specialist law firm who actually helps people on that divorce journey together to actually separate in an amicable way. So welcome along, Siobhan. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, God. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. Great to be here. Look, I ask all my guests to share an early money memory. So, again, we're all born into this financial system. So, just if, have you got an early happy or fun money memory that you recall? <laughs> um, okay, I might give you a bit of insight. Probably going to church as a kid and then dad handing out to my three brothers and I money to then put on the church plate. You know, being given that responsibility as a kid to then participate and give money yeah. and yeah that's um a pleasant memory one we're always itching for dad for you know oh, give us the 50 cents because yeah. it's bigger than two dollars you know that's oh, i love it <laughs> i love well yeah and the coins aren't they they're, they're so out of whack when you're a kid because you go wait mm-hmm. but the 50 cents is bigger than the two dollars like it doesn't make sense <laughs> that's it i thought you were about to about to tell a story of like in the giggling that you were like not putting the money into the tin when you're sort of like pocketing <laughs> Pocketing a piece of it and going, oh yeah, I'll just save that bit for that. That's that's for later for next time. I'll I'll, I'll give that to the church next time. <laughs> uh, my younger brother would have done that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he's an accountant these days. So, <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. He, he, was, he was mindful of the money back then. I, I like it. He but was. Look, <laughs> thanks for joining me, Siobhan, and thanks for sharing that story. I know you've written a book even on on this stuff and and put together a bit of a, a framework around how it works. But I guess look, we we hear of divorce, we think of sort of all the the doom and gloom around it and I mean look recently we've done some work with a client together and and I literally said I'm like wow your energy together is actually awesome like are you sure you really want to get divorced like I I sit with clients on a daily basis and sometimes there's clients in my room who don't want to get divorced and their energy is really mixed up but your energy is really great they're like no no Scott we're we're, we're sure we still want to go through this process (laughs) what is the the collaborative process or the the DIY process when it comes to the divorce front the collaborative principles, it's about people being um, camaraderies in the sense that the situation is the adversary and the two of us um, tackling this problem together is, um, you know, that, that teamwork approach is certainly the collaborativeness um, and just trying to achieve the best outcome for the entire family. So not thinking of, you know, yourself as the individual, what's the best thing for me, but, you know, that higher being. And then in terms of the DIY divorce component, I think the collaborative principles lend itself to being able to DIY your divorce or separation to a certain extent Mm. with limited or no lawyer involvement, which is certainly a huge and immersing trend these these days, definitely. So no lawyer involvement or limited lawyer involvement. I know you're actually friends with a lot of the, the lawyers in Canberra. <laughs> like, again, we, we've met in Canberra and uh, Canberra is a, a small realm, but um, I, I bet some other lawyers probably don't find that uh, as good an approach for, for their uh, businesses. But um, what does that actually mean? Like, So how, how do people do that? I think it starts um, at the 
um, earlier stages that of just committing to do right by one another. And when you think about the traditional legal system, it will set you up to succeed at being combative, divisive, um, you know, and, and litigious, which, you know, is sort of a, it's money-making. You know, when you think of the traditional mm. law firm business model, the biggest source of revenue is going to court. You know, you're charging by the hour, you're doing all those exorbitant fees. And there's this saying of um, using a divorce lawyer is like using an arms dealer in peace negotiations. There's this inherent self-interest and conflict to promote conflict between a couple. So, yeah, look, I think um, some colleagues haven't been wild about my approach and my, my message to people, which is, look, you can actually DIY your separation mm. and divorce to a certain extent. And that's, you know, that's the beauty, I suppose, of what we're doing these days is just working with people who need only a small component of legal help. And I mean, look, I'm the same with financial advice. I think financial advice is creating that framework around your money and just getting some insights where you need. And again, you can get full-fledged advice and have someone like me in their lives to, to help support that or people can do it themselves. And so I, I do love that there's that choice there and that flexibility. And are there sort of tips and traps? So obviously clients who aren't amicable or who aren't talking uh, probably aren't really suited to a, a DIY divorce process. But um, where, where do you see it working at its best and, and what are maybe some of the challenges that, that occur along the way? So the court system is beautiful and works wonderfully for couples and families who've got high complex needs. So, you know, family violence, serious allegations of abuse, mm. substance abuse, mental health issues where you've got somebody who's just their expectations as to what is an appropriate outcome are just completely unrealistic and or they're just sticking their head in the sand. Where you've got no meaningful participation, sometimes court is the only sort of avenue that you can go down to, to try and get a resolution. But for the vast majority of people, um, the starting point is really going to be, okay, well, we've got to make a commitment. There's got to be a degree of trust and transparency that we, we will work together to reach an outcome that's going to, um, you know, maximise the best outcomes for the whole family, financially, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, all of that stuff. So I think that's sort of the, the first, I don't know, step and, and core principle. The second thing thereafter is to get clear on, well, if we're trying to work towards that sort of outcome, what information and what sort of help do we need along the way to work towards that? And so getting clear on your steps early on in the process is really important. And sometimes, and this is sort of that degree of um, that one-off advice as you mentioned before, is just having a one-off advice with, you know, an experienced, collaboratively trained family lawyer who will give you advice and information and guidance as to what is an appropriate outcome, whether it be about the kids, their care arrangements, their financial support, and that of finances, you know, this is an appropriate outcome regarding your financial split, um, so that getting armed with the right information at the right time will then help steer you in the direction of working together with your partner to then go and do or, um, you know, participate in alternate dispute resolution processes such as, you know, mediation um, to then get clear on, well, what do we agree to so far? You know, I'm going to keep my car, you'll keep yours. All right. That's, that's a run on the board. Yes, we might actually be able to do this. And often, the, the clarity around, you know, the, the two, generally it's one to maybe three issues that people need actual help on 
Um, mm. That sense of achievement of like, oh, wow, we can do this together um, really helps guide people towards that agreement. And then you just need a tiny bit more help to maybe get your agreement to 100% and then have someone take care of the paperwork for you to make it official. So you can have that that peace of mind and that certainty about your your future going forward financially and otherwise. I've seen clients over the years coming to my office and they've got the family court agreement that they've basically been trying to work through the documents themselves. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm like, no, I would not be biting that off myself. Because from what I recall, it was a pretty hefty document that they, they were waiting through. And they're like, oh, Scott, can you help with this? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. It's actually, it's actually one of the things I say to people, um, as much as I love to spout, oh, you can DIY it. I think it's a load of rubbish. The court system does not facilitate you doing it. So um, generally speaking, the the best way to make your agreement official is going to be a financial consent order and it's a paperwork exercise only. No one goes to court. Um, So step one, two documents need to get prepared. One's a court form, which is what you're talking about, and it's hideous. It is 22 pages worth of uh, questions and it's nine pages worth of instructions in two columns and it basically asks you to do a whole bunch of maths and then understand the law and apply it to your set of circumstances. And then you've got this legalese document which spells out in sentence form who's going to keep what, what needs to happen, how and when. Um, and it's I worked with a couple, um, so they separated early last year. The husband said, love, I'll do the paperwork. He spent seven months trying to DIY it. They wow. came to us earlier this year and in under four weeks we were done. Yeah, well. Like done, implemented, approved by the court. And in the meantime, this is the thing, they were separated under one roof. They had two little ones. Um, The husband was going to keep the home and um, otherwise pay out the wife. And basically the wife was in this suspended state of discomfort, you know, for a good eight months. And, you know, she's missed out on the property growth. And, you know, there's a lot more at risk in terms of your relationship financially, everything, Mm. by delaying so no, the the paperwork's loathsome. You need somebody yeah. to exactly. <laughs> get it. Someone out who knows intro. what they're doing. I feel really let down now because you've just said that the the court process. I mean, I did grow up on probably a lot of American TV as well, like Suits and everything else. So I guess that that's probably not as, as exciting and fun as a, as it could be in that. Um, <laughs> We don't get to lawyer up and roll into the the court and go right. Okay, we're, we're doing divorce. <laughs> yeah, I remember when like four years ago, four and a bit years ago, when I started this this firm. Um, like I got rid of all my suits. I was like, I never have to go to court again. <laughs> I just can them. Yeah, there's such a, a good feel about, you know, working in this beautiful space where you know that you're um, meaningfully helping people who are making life-changing decisions. So, and interestingly, yeah. actually, Scott, because I, I, a few years ago, I started, I created this whole document automation infrastructure so people mm. could legitimately DIY their paperwork. And what mm. I discovered, because I offered it at such a low cost price point, was that people hated it, like the experience of DIYing it. And it occurred to me, nobody wants to DIY this crap. No one. You want mm. someone to handhold, to guide you, to give you the information, to give you that peace of mind and support throughout the entire experience to the extent that you need them. Um, so I did a massive pivot in terms of how what we were doing um, mm. and it's just been people are having a far better experience, you know, and they're saving so much time and money and energy and all of that. 
people aren't lawyering up does that mean that each party has to have a a separate lawyer to sort of sign off on the agreements or if if people are in agreement does that just mean that they just sign the documents and and away they go How, how does that sort of work brilliant question so a couple's financial separation agreement if it's going to be approved by the court in a financial consent order which is generally faster cheaper easier it only has to do two things it has to satisfy the legal fairness test so fairness and inverted commas, and it's just got to, at some point in time, sever their financial ties. So um, provided an agreement satisfies those two things, it will be approved by the court. Um, And there's always going to be a, a range as to what is an appropriate outcome. So there's no need for legal advice because the mm. court's that check and balance, which is which is beautiful. What's the best time to get someone like you involved? I mean, look, my, my view to, to clients is jump in early so that you're actually aware of the situation. So again, look, if there's, um, as I say, amicable or, or people are still uh, in great communication channels, if people are feeling a bit jaded or there's, I don't know, been infidelity or something that's happened that, that has caused a, a, a big rift in the relationship, then it's probably about um, uh, getting some counselling or, or being able to sit in the same room together first before they start going through that process. But I guess, in your view, what what's the best time to, to engage on that? If you've got to that point, you said, right, relationship's over. Um, we didn't survive the COVID test. We've, we've been through one too many lockdowns. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> How do we make this work? Look, I think it's going to be situational. For some people, it will be, a, look, I feel so overwhelmed and out of control and I need something to hold on to. So I need to get some guidance and information and a bit of advice early on. Now, that's not to say that you go to lawyer up and, you know, go to town and, and, you know, create all this animosity. So for some people, it's going to be the right call to get advice early on. And you need only have a one-off appointment with a lawyer. That's the beauty of it. Um, And that basically is kind of a steer in the right direction of this is how you can work together. Um, For the most part, that's what lawyers will do. Then there will be other people who will say, look, involving lawyers, we definitely do not want to do. We want to work together on this. And so in terms of, I suppose, when you would look to working with someone like myself is when you are kind of 85 to 100% clear on your agreement. You know, we, we're clear on the goals. We're both on the same page about what we want to achieve and get done. We just need a little help with these niggly sort of issues. And that's where having a, somebody who can give you insight and brainstorm ideas as to what possible outcomes, you know, can occur within the bounds of the law. Because I do so many creative outcomes. The way I practice now law than what I did four or five years ago, very different. So we're all about kind of maximising the pie is what I call it because everyone gets a piece, mm. uh, you know, to uh, to achieve the best outcomes, you know, that stability for the kids with the family home and whatnot. So, yeah, those would be the two um, areas that I would look to, you know, if you're feeling you need um, some support early on and a bum's doing the right direction, you know, some advice is maybe a good start, but also towards the tail end where you're like, look, we're just stuck on these few remaining issues. We need some help. Mm. What are some of those uh, creative things that you've been able to manage recently? Obviously, without disclosing client detail, but but what have been some of those uh, those fun things or creative things? 
Well, some of them, um, one in particular actually is, um, I call it the double equity. So the double equity trend, um, especially with what's going on in the property market and COVID, we're seeing, you know, it becoming such an issue for people to buy in this existing market. But you're separating and obviously we both need two new households. Renting is just ridiculous. You know, it's cost prohibitive for some people. And so I've floated this as an idea with some people and it's worked out for them in that they um, use the existing equity in their family home to go and purchase a property for the other person, okay? They go to the bank as a couple, in which case their borrowing capacity is that much greater, and essentially they have two properties, two loans, and at some point in time, to be decided on, um, when they're in a position to refinance the loans for the properties that they're each going to keep, they do so with any adjustments Mm. made you know, to balance that fairness test. Yeah. Um, but it, it basically, it maximises the pie in that, you know, you're not selling the family home to then have everybody in the same exact property market. Um, you're increasing the borrowing um, powers and also you're um, banking on, you know, the properties increasing in value as well, which mm. nicely... Yeah you know, can increase equity a little bit. Yeah, current market forces. Yeah, that that's such a great strategy. Another really groovy sort of one that I've got at the moment is um, where this couple are going to do a delayed refinance house transfer and they've agreed to split the equity as at current, so a 60-40 division, and then any growth in equity um, in between now and September next year when they're going to do the transfer is going to be split 50-50. So, again, they're maximising because the person who's going to keep the home isn't in an immediate position to refinance. And that's great. I guess that's where, again, if you remember, I don't know, you you fall in love with a person, you go through all the the beautiful dating process and may have kids and all that sort of stuff. But I guess if you you hold true in at some stage in that relationship, you're in love, the love might change over time. But if you hold that true, I guess it means that you can have a better outcome because you can do those negotiations. You can actually say, right, yeah, well, we're still still mates, okay, we're still friends, we're still going to um, make this work. We're not trying to one-up each other or do something in that regard. And so that, that's actually a really nice uh, nice outcome for everybody at the end of the day. I, I like it. I like it. If people are, as I contemplating that divorce process, I guess my, my other question would be, are there any other tips or uh, traps that people need to be aware of starting on that journey or in, engaging in that, that process? Uh, yeah, there are a few. <laughs> For me, I think um, you've got to get really, you've got to have some emotional intelligence. So you've got to really appreciate the grief cycle, okay, with the breakdown mm-hmm. of a relationship. Um, you know, it's like death in the sense that obviously mm-hmm. there's going to be that denial, the anger, the depression, uh, sorry, well, bargaining is in there, um, depression before acceptance. And so what I realise as part of, you know, the people who I work with is um even though the, the writing might have been on the wall that this couple are heading towards a separation for, you know, for donkey's years, one person mm. can still feel very blindsided. And so the other person might have already processed, they've been the one to communicate the decision, but the other person might still be reeling from that. Mm. And so if you push the person who hasn't quite processed the separation before they're actually ready, you're going to be met with a lot of resistance, defensiveness, combativeness. They're just going to, you know, dig yeah. their heels in um, because they're not there yet. So you've got to be patient um, to a certain degree. <laughs> mm. So I think that's that's one thing that certainly people yeah. need to be cognizant of in order to move constructively forward. The second thing would be get clear on what is already likely to be agreed 
or is a great. Mm. You keep your yeah. car, I keep mine. I keep the shares, okay, you keep yours. Like what, what are we going to agree on? Because then it feels less overwhelming. Mm. And also working backwards, you know, what goal, what outcome are we hoping to achieve? And then, you know, how can we get there without being destructive in the process? Yeah. Plus the commitment, the commitment and the trust and transparency to a certain degree. You don't have to be a best mate, but you've got mm. to have a degree of communication, even if it's yeah. via email. Email's yeah. beautiful. I like email. Do you want me to tell you why? Why is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say because okay. you can't you can't read into it or, or it's clear and concise. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so text messages, right? Everybody has their phone on them all the time and it's mm. this form of instantaneous like control or, oh, I've got a message, I've got to respond or, you know, why haven't you responded? You know, you have your mobile on you. Yeah. Whereas a te- an email, right, it's an opportunity for you to sit down, draft something, sit on it, then send it and give the other person the opportunity to sit, reflect, digest, and then come back to you with a meaningful response. Um, and whenever you're writing something, you've got to be very cognizant of what is this person going to hear, not what do I mm. want to say and get off my chest. Yeah, yeah. It's how can I communicate in a way that they're going to understand and be receptive to my thinking. Mm. So that's why I like email. And then not be triggered by past conversations or engagements or whatever it might be as well. It, it, it's very complex, us human beings, aren't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Siobhan, we, we do try and keep these episodes short and sweet, and, and there's some fantastic tips, especially on the, the DIY uh, approach, if people are going through that, that separation and, and divorce approach. I'll put all your links on the show notes as well because I know you've got a wealth of resources. Again, you've, you've written the book, you've got a lot of blog posts and I think even YouTube videos and, and everything else that I've, uh, I've noticed over the years. So there's some great resources out there and I think anybody going through the process, information can be power sometimes just to really get comfortable with the process because, again, if it's the first time, again, first time you buy a property, it feels overwhelming because you've got to then go through the process. The first time you get married is probably a little bit overwhelming but it's an exciting overwhelming when you get divorced, yes. it's it's probably then again the the first time. Hopefully, you don't you're not doing it too often, but you get divorced and it's the first time to to be going through that. So I think it's just about arming yourself with some of that information and and knowledge. Anything else that you'd like to throw out there before we wrap up today? Oh uh, gosh, I think um, three things. That's what I've learned in life mm. and business as well, and everything. Yeah. But number one, um, trust your gut. You know, yeah. your gut feels are pretty instinctive. Always have a backup plan. And the third thing is just take everybody's opinion with a grain of salt. And if you're a person wanting to support a friend, family member or, you know, your child going through it, mm-hmm. if I always say to people, look, don't share your opinion but share suggestions based on your experience. Why? Because this is already an overwhelming out-of-control experience mm-hmm. and you're empowering somebody to make their own decisions going forward. And then they are accountable for their own actions, not you so (laughs) i love it and and that that is such great advice and i think again if people are going through that process and then they're debriefing with friends or family or or anybody else it can turn into a whirlwind especially if the drama comes in and then you're lawyering up and then uh the lawyers are getting a a share of the pie or or more of a share of the pie than uh probably they should get yes indeedy Well, look, thanks, Siobhan. As I say, we keep these short and sweet so uh, people can uh, enjoy them on their commute or uh, or during lockdown, as it may be at the moment. But um, thanks so much for joining us. And yeah, we'll see you soon. Brilliant. Thanks, Scott. It's good to be here. So folks, I don't know about you, but divorce is almost sounding like one of those life experiences that we want to all have or something. 
look, hopefully that's not the case. But look, if you are going through uh, challenges in your relationship or if you are separating or wanting to separate, definitely some great resources in there. We've put all Siobhan's details in the show notes for today. And also, look, thanks for listening. If you do like the episode, please share it with your friends. Or as Siobhan's saying, if you're helping a, a supporter family member go through the transitional process of divorce, something that you can listen to together. Contact details are on uh, our website, www.moneymechanics.com.au. Please uh, drop us a review as well on Apple Podcasts. See you all next time.